Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Androids, let's face it. Nobody chooses to play from the rough. And thanks to our great new friends at Manscaped, maybe our listeners might never have to again because the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has arrived. And I can tell you with all confidence, it's been a game changer for me these past few weeks. The ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Let's go through the performance package. It includes the weed whacker, up the nose, in the ears, increasingly relevant for people like me as the, uh, the years start to pile on. Never used something like the crop preserver before, but I'll never go back. A ball deodorant straight out of the shower, dry yourself off, whack a little bit of this on the undercarriage, last the full day. Outstanding. The crop reviver, it's more of a, maybe you need a midday refresh. You've gone for a, a run at lunchtime. You've had a gym session. Maybe you've just been hauling boxes in a bloody humid environment. A little bit of a spritz on the undercarriage, fresh as a daisy moving forward. And then finally, but most importantly, Drew's, the best piece of kit in this Performance Pack 4.0, it is the Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. Have a listen to this. Music to my ears. This bit of kit, my friend, will transform your situation below the waist from looking like the second cut of rough at a US Open to a neatly trimmed fairway. Now, even better, Manscaped have thrown in two free gifts to the performance package. They are, have a look at these, the Manscaped boxes, outstanding for those of you who never have enough pairs. And of course, the Shed travel bag. You can neatly tuck everything away and take it on the road with you. Now, you can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for our listeners. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code T. That's T-double-E. That's 20% off free shipping all over the world at manscaped.com and use the code T, T-double-E. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for this incredibly important job with Manscaped. Trust me, fellas, your balls will thank you. This is the 19th T podcast. Drew's with you for tonight's episode with Tim Hart, but before we get there, of course, we must acknowledge Minji Lee. What an incredible victory. I'm going to do it justice, I hope, in a couple of minutes up the front here. I have sent the link to Kay Marsh now. He is away for work uh, in um, the middle of Europe somewhere, I believe. I can't remember exactly where he is. So he may drop, drop in for a minute. I don't know. I've, I'm, we're doing this on a bit of a whim here. Uh, if not, you'll get a couple of minutes at the top with myself so if i do see that little uh kieran marsh wants to join the meeting uh request then that'll be great so i'll pop that up but minji lee uh the very very height of her game uh wins the us open joining a very exclusive company uh she joins only harry webb jan stevenson peter thompson david graham and greg norman as the only aussies to win multiple uh, uh, multiple majors and and what an incredible performance it was really with the irons uh, I mean if you look at her stats across the four days uh, she ended up hitting 57 out of 72 greens which is truly phenomenal um, and you know she's just 
she's just such a beacon of, of shining light for Australian golf at the moment. And, and there was no doubt that she was uh, one of the leading contenders to win a major. I'm sure Marshy will drop in because, you know, he'd love to sit here and gloat that he said that she was our best chance to win a major. And, and uh, sure enough, here she is. Went into today with a three shot lead, I believe. Uh, out there at Pine Needles um, and, yeah, pretty quickly pushed that out, uh, started birdie, birdie and handed a couple of shots back. I mean, it was a, she was 13 under par through five, uh, through 15 holes, sorry. Um, and then I thought, geez, oh, I don't know. I don't, I've had bad memories of the Shark. I've had bad memories of Cameron Smith at the, the Masters. Um, but fortunately, um, yeah, Fortunately, it wasn't wasn't to be, and she did bogey uh, sixteen and eighteen. So, um, so she has been. Uh, she, I mean, she's been so consistent throughout the course of the year. Uh, of course, the Evian was her maiden major last year, um, and to add the U.S. Open, she was quite uh, humble in in victory, as we would expect from Minji. Um, and I think I think even shocked herself a little, as I said, sort of. Um, you know, it was, it seemed inevitable, but the bogeys on, on 16 and 18 just brought it back a, a little tighter than I would have liked. But uh, nonetheless, she was the victor of the US Open over Mina Harage, who in her own right played played very, very nicely. Um, if we can just look at some of, some of Minji's statistics here across the course of the week, I mean, 47 out of 56 fairways hit, including in rounds two and three, 13 out of 14. So just pure ball striking with with the driver um, and, and three woods and the longer clubs, uh, as well as the irons, um, as I mentioned, 57 out of 72 putting. Um, yeah, it was, it's probably been the one thing that, that maybe kind of let her down across, you know, some of uh, her, um, I guess the last few months of her career anyway, she had 34 putts today, 29 in round one, uh, but 27 and 28 across uh, rounds two and three. And as I say that, Kieran Marsh has entered the waiting room. So I'm just, we're going to admit him. We're going to do this live on the show. We've got no idea how this is possibly going to work for, for our listeners or our audio listeners. I don't know if Kieran Marsh can hear me. I'll give him a minute here. Kay Marsh, here he is. I don't know where he is. Have you got me? Uh, we've got you. We've got you, KM. Uh, firstly, welcome. Maybe you could give us an update as to where the bloody hell you are, uh, and then we'll get to Minji Lee in just a second. But where are you, KM? Uh, dialing in from Central Europe, Drudes. So I'm uh, currently in uh, in the, the southern part of Slovakia. Uh, and look, to your credit, you said to me, uh, obviously I'm on assignment here work-wise, and you said, look, mate, take a few weeks off, concentrate on work. I'll look after things. And then... And Aussie going wins a bloody major. How about that? <laughs> and and I was just saying to to the listeners, uh, in the hope that you would would join us, because I was very quickly running out of things to to talk about. I'd rattled off all the stats I had. I was saying I wouldn't be at all surprised if you did decide to jump on because you have had Minji Lee tipped for past three four months as saying she's the best chance for an Aussie to win a major, and it would be unlike you to miss an opportunity to to jump on and tell us. Uh, how good your fortune telling skills are. So I'll give you, I'll give you the, the the time you deserve here. Well, I was just about to say, if you thought I was going to let you bask in the glory of uh, Minji <laughs> Lee's major victory on your own, you had another thing coming. Uh, so I thank the uh, the wonders of the internet for connecting us. Uh, you know, the west coast of Australia to Central Europe. But 
Yeah, Drew, so I'm sure you've rattled it all off. Obviously, second major championship for Min G, uh, the one that she's always dreamed of. And she said that herself, I think, since the age of 13. She's dreamed of winning this tournament. Uh, obviously, a tournament won uh, a number of times by her idol and her hero and Kari Webb. Uh, I know, I'm, I'm sure you've said lowest ever score to par in the tournament, uh, which makes it even more remarkable when you think she was even through the final round. So she did all the work through 54 holes and uh, and did all that she needed to do in, in, in that final round there at Pine Needles. But to win by four strokes, comfortably the best player there across the last four days. And as you said, I've been saying it for a while now, but comfortably the best Australian player we have in world golf at present. There's no doubt about that now. And takes home 1.8 million as well, if you don't mind. I mean, I don't think that should be overshadowed, particularly from a, from a you know, it's fantastic that, you know, she's earned uh, this massive paycheck, but $10 million was up for grabs in, in the US Open. Um, and I guess it's, you know, this is now the launching pad, I guess, for, for women's golf in, in terms of moving forward. So it shouldn't be overlooked that she's taking home this paycheck as well. I think it's a really good point. Uh, I think that, you know, there's no secret that they, they astronomically rose that, that paycheck, the $10 million for the first time in the Women's US Open and what a time for her to take it home. Uh, obviously, $1.8 million is not necessarily uh, par for the course each week on the men's tour, but it's not the biggest purse by any stretch of the imagination. It's life-changing uh, on the LPGA Tour. And for, for Minji in particular, that's a significant payday. I think more broadly, Drews, I mean, um, obviously watched a fair bit of it across the first few days before getting on a plane on Saturday evening, Australian time. And I just think the way they did the entire tournament, I mean, t- first and foremost, taking it to a course like Pine Needles, um, which to be fair, is, has hosted the most US Open, uh, US Women's Open in the, in the tournament's history. But taking it back to a quality course, I mean, they had live from uh, every day, uh, which is, you know, again, bringing it to parity with the men's, the increased paycheck. I just thought it was a wonderful tournament um, from go to woe and I think made even more special for us that an Australian takes it home. But uh, just the last four days of women's golf, I think, have been excellent. And what it now does, um, to be fair, is set the standard. So moving forward, uh, obviously not every tournament is like this from a paycheck perspective, but we've got some excellent courses coming up on the road for women's majors. And I think from a broadcast golf channel to their credit, have set the standard now um, for, for what's to come. And something really special about it as well happening at the same site where Kari Webb won her second consecutive US Women's Open 21 years ago as well. So I, I don't know, it all just came together and fit really nicely for Minji Lee as well. So uh, that's that. You know, that's a nice little... Uh, nice yes, little should we be surprised? Should we be surprised, really? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Uh, hey, I was going to ask you a question because you probably caught more of this in a much friendlier time zone than, than I did uh, over here in Perth. And I've uh, obviously been dealing with the effects of COVID-19 as well, which has been quite a lot of fun. But um, I mentioned it was it, it got a little closer than I would have liked watching in the wee hours of, of this morning. Um, uh, it seemed inevitable at 13 under after 15 holes that she was it seemed inevitable from the very beginning that she was going to win she went in with three shots Mina Harage was obviously playing solid golf uh only made she only made one birdie for the day and, and a couple of bogeys unfortunately for her but the bogeys on 16 and 18 for Minji I don't know just I started to get really nervous because I've seen the story a lot with Aussie golfers as well and I I feel that's a bit unjust to, to poor Minji Oh, look, I think any time you're hitting uh, two bogeys in the final three holes of the fourth round of a major, uh, obviously people watching at home get a little nervous. Uh, <laughs> you know, the most recent example we have, we didn't get that close with Cam at Augusta, yeah. but when you get the wobbles on the back nine of a major winning contention, I think, you know, rightfully so. I mean, as I said, 
Um, she was the same score through 54 holes, which was a record for the, the lowest score to par through 54 holes in a women's US Open. And she goes on to record the lowest ever score um, by getting it done with even par in the final round. So it was really up to the remainder of the field to, to bring the challenge to her and they couldn't. Um, and I think that a, a bit's been made of the course and a bit's been made of 13 under and is that tough enough for a US Open? Not, don't lose sight of the fact that no one was in four stroke, within four strokes of her. So it's not as if the rest of the field, um, you know, we didn't have a bunch of people 10, 10 under or, or lower. We had one um, who was in complete control of the golf ball, save for a few instances across the four days and has dominated the field and the course. So, yeah, very complete performance. Uh, you know, I think we, we don't have a long list of Australian major winners, um, you know, in most recent history, Hannah Green before her and then, you know, we make our way back to, to J-Day and Scotty um, themselves. And I think, to be fair, one of the more complete performances of an Aussie winning a major, you know, in, in recent history, it was sublime from start to finish for, for Minji. And and given the run of form she's been in and the volume of work she's been putting together, just just reward uh, for what's been a sensational 18 months. As I, as I mentioned sort of at the top before you jump on, only the sixth. Aussie to win multiple majors as well, and, and and certainly unsurprising that her name is is on that list, both both uh, male and female. As you mentioned, some great sites coming up for the US Women's Open. We go to Pebble next year, which will be fantastic. Lancaster, Erin Hills is one I'm really looking forward to. Riv, Inverness, Oakmont, Pinehurst, number two. There's some bloody good courses coming up. But uh, before we let you go, is there anything else that you want to want to give us from the uh, from the wherever you said you're heart southern slovakia i don't know what is what's the what's the golf scene like in southern slovakia have you have you seen any i know you're there for work but have you seen any courses do they look pure uh i'm i'm yet to see a course so that should probably give you an indication of the uh of the golf scene in in southern slovakia yet to actually lay eyes on a fairway um had a fair few people been wearing this hat around a little bit but a number of people uh, stopped me in the street. Uh, didn't understand what they were saying, but lots of people interested in the 19th tee, unsurprisingly. I know we've got a few uh, listeners in Slovakia, which is excellent. Um, look, not much else to report, Drew. Uh, just finally, I mean, G, um, I mean, uh, not surprising, but uh, worth making note of the reaction out of her brother um, this morning. Really nice to see. Uh, I think you won't find a bigger supporter of, of Min Ji than, than her brother Min Wu, save for maybe her parents. And a lot of people excited about um, his future, obviously, but the way in which he heaps praise on his sister this morning across his, his social channels, I think was really nice to see. And to be fair, I, whilst he is getting a lot of headlines, I think the focus should be firmly on her. My my excitement now lays on what's ahead for her because she seems to stand up when the lights are shining their brightest and particularly when the courses are challenging. You, you rattle off all those names of what's in the road are coming up to women's majors and, and I would expect her to be figuring in those tournaments because this is where she does her best work. So... Uh, great to see the reaction from her, from her brother and, and wonderful to see. And then just briefly, I'm, I'm sure you'll probably touch on it. I know you've got Timmy Hart uh, waiting on the line there, so I don't want to hold him up. But a good weekend for Aussies. I mean, Qualey fourth on the, on the Japanese tour. Uh, Trav Smythe, a bogey on the 72nd hole on the Asian tour. Just, just a full short of his first professional win. So some great Aussie performances around the world. Absolutely, mate. There's been uh, uh, the Pro-Am circuits going off as, as well. Very, as, uh, very good timing uh, that Tim Hart did win in country country Queensland as well. And, and he does join us. So uh, maybe we are the, maybe we're the lucky charm, but we will let you get back to uh, Southern Slovakia. Maybe you can mention Rory Sabatini's name because he's a, uh, he's a Slovakian golfer. I don't know how popular he is of a Slovakian golfer. So you might get you some brownie points. 
I know he's not that popular on the uh, on the tour. What we should mention very very briefly before we do go because he must go must go to work. But uh, the live field was announced. Um, we, it'd be remiss of us not to mention it. Obviously, mm. uh, a number of Aussies in there. I think there was four or five. Um, some that we knew that were were going. Um, uh, and obviously, the biggest story has been Dustin Johnson out of all of that. So. Uh, I don't know if you want to give me 30 seconds very briefly. I know, I'm sure we will um, we'll probably recap it a little more uh, in depth once we get some finite understanding of, of what this all means from the tour's perspective anyway. Yeah, I mean, very briefly, I'm probably not all that bothered or nearly as bothered as other people seem to be around DJ. DJ is never purported to be anything other than what he is. Um, so it's not as if he's taken this massive regression. Obviously, I don't think he's helped in any way, shape or form from this statement he put out a short two three months ago but clearly um they met his number and that's all he's ever purported to be so let dj be dj as for the four aussies uh i mean it's game changing money it's one hundred and twenty thousand dollars for last place and you can't begrudge any of the four australians who go there my my curiosity will be obviously the pga tour will step in now for those players who have status and who are choosing to go and play and live events I'm really curious to see, say, someone like Jed, who doesn't yet have a place on the PGA Tour, what, if any, consequence this will have. Because um, obviously, you know, when we spoke to him and as part of topping the order of merit, he's exempt through to the final stage of Corn Ferry um, Q School. So he obviously clearly wants to go and play in America. And, and what, if any, effect will this have? I think ultimately, Drudes, um, this is just the beginning. And I think you'd be naive to think it's not. Uh, this will be, I'm certain the worst field they ever announce it will only improve from here and the real squeeze for the tour i mean if they bury their head in the sand now and do nothing uh then in my eyes they deserve everything coming their way because the real squeeze for the tour isn't right now it's probably six eight twelve months from now when all those guys in that in that tier your bryson's your zanders yeah abraham answers harold varner's all those guys who were rumored and have not yet committed as soon as they start seeing Taylor Gooch taking home $4 million to win a tournament, that will only last so long. Yeah. So this is a real, this next six to eight months is critical for the tour to act. Well, it might not even be that long. It might even be shorter than that because, uh, you know, if, if they do start seeing that money flying out, people will be uh, making some interesting decisions. I think the interesting one for Jed is going to be around the, uh, sorry, around the majors and what happens there. Cause obviously of course, uh, gets a start at Brookline at the US Open. So if the tour comes down hard uh, on the players playing in there, I, I would suggest that a few, there might be some players in there who have major status uh, or major starts uh, that might reconsider, but we shall flesh all that out at another time when you are back on uh, back on local shores uh, and, and rested and rejuvenated because you've got a busy schedule coming up work-wise in the next couple of months as well. So there might be a few... Few marshyless episodes, unfortunately, but we'll do our best to get you on um, as as best we can. And, and noting that you've got a very busy work schedule, but we will get to Tim Hart uh, in just a moment. We'll hear from yourself, KM. Not right now, but pre-recorded. Uh, we'll hear hear a short read from our our friends at Cobra Puma, uh, and then we'll get to Tim Hart. But uh, Marshy, we must thank you for joining us from Slovakia, uh, and we. Truly appreciate you uh, dialing in and, and making the technology work. So uh, thanks, KM. Um, and after you sign off, we'll get straight into Tim Hart. Thanks, Drew. Start ring the bloody bell. The team at Cobra have introduced the new Air X franchise, the latest evolution of its popular lightweight club category. 
Continuing its focus on weight savings and forgiveness, Cobra's new Air X men's and women's drivers and fairways each boost an additional eight grams of total weight savings. At just 277 grams, the Air X driver delivers a new level of lightweight performance to improve feel and maximize clubhead speed and distance for players like you and me, Druids, with just that moderate swing speed. Taking lightweight technology and super game improvement performance to a whole new level, the Air X driver and fairway woods are available right now. So for more information on the Air X range, you can visit cobragolf.com.au or drop into your nearest golf shop. All right, Tim, thanks so much for joining us on the 19th team, mate. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, mate. Where are you right now? You were telling me before you, you were in country Queensland. Uh, we weren't sure how the reception was going to turn out, but where the bloody hell are you? Mate, I'm in Moranbar at the moment. Um, it's about two and a half hours from Mackay, if anyone knows where that is. Just up the coastline of Queensland, go west a couple of hours. and Yeah, I'm out here playing some, uh, just some pro-ams at the moment for a couple of weeks. How's, uh, how's the pro-am circuit going at the moment? Obviously, off the back of... The, uh, the the PGA Tour of Australasia season uh, into the Pro-Am, I guess, circuit? Yeah, mate, it's, it's, it's pretty good up here in Queensland. They've, uh, they've done a pretty good job over the years of, of keeping events, even through COVID and, and, and all that. So, um, yeah, this stint up here in the mining towns is always pretty good. I've been coming up here for a few years. So, um, yeah, it's a nice place to come and play and be familiar with a few courses that I've played well at, so probably um a little different to i guess uh playing you know courses like the nash throughout the year and and then up into country queensland i imagine it's probably a little different yeah it is mate but like i'm i'm pretty used to it to be honest since i've since i turned pro as a you know 10 years ago i've, I've played a lot of programs um throughout throughout the years and um i've always liked queensland courses even even the country ones they're sort of you know they're pretty wide and forgiving with you know, you know, suits the longer hitters out here. So it's nice to come out here and just get the driver out every hole pretty much and, and have it, give it a lash. And uh, I'm going through the uh, the results at the moment. I think you've you've probably been pretty sort of coy about uh, your, your time out in, in country Queensland at the moment because it looks like you might have had a fairly handy result, uh, particularly over the weekend anyway. Yeah, yeah, I've got a win uh, yesterday. <laughs> two-day event, which was nice. Um <laughs> Got a couple of low scores, which was uh, which was nice. Always, um, it's a it's it's sort of a course that, like I was saying, it's I'm pretty familiar with, and I've played it a few times. And if you if you're sort of in control of your the big dog, you can uh, you can attack a lot of holes. And I was managed to do that again for for a couple of days. And I guess you know um, there's some quite handy talent out there as well. Uh, you know, there's there's guys who play on the tour week in, week in, week out that are out there. Names that are jumping out at me on the, the leaderboard here, obviously Shea Wolves Cobb and, and Doug Klein and the like. So a competitive field being assembled for for the Pro-Am circuit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you said, there was a, this first half of the year was pretty full on with tour events. So um, I think this year there's probably not as many players as, as there has been in, in years past. Um, probably just guys might be a little bit burnt out or, or whatnot from a, a very you know heavy sort of first four or five months of this season, but um, yeah, like I said, there's still good players up here that you got to play good. Doesn't matter where you are these days on any part of the planet. If you're not playing decent golf, you're not going to win. So yeah, well let's uh, let's get stuck into I guess the the season that was. Um, I mean, in your words, kind of how do you describe your 
2021-22 wraparound season, I guess, that exists at the moment because uh, uh, some nice results throughout there as well. Um, obviously highlighted with a, a T2 at the uh, NTPGA as well. You know, a handful of missed cuts. Like, how do you how do you sum it all up? Um, good in the end. Yeah, I, uh, just to finish off with a, a nice result to, to keep my tour card was very nice. Um, I knew what I had to do there to, to do that, and it was good to um, sort of bit under the pump to, to do that, and it was nice to finish that one off. Didn't get the win, obviously, but it was nice to have a high finish after a lot of just not not good results, to be honest, for the first four months of the year. Like you said, a lot of missed cuts, and just, just, I was just battling a, uh, like a technical sort of fault in my swing, and when you're on the road, um, constantly playing and you know in tournament conditions it's 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 very difficult to at times um, work out your swing especially if you've got a motor pattern going on in your swing that you're you're sort of fighting and then you get on certain courses say the Nash where it's blowing 50 k's an hour and you've got to hit certain shots and you're, you're already not feeling comfortable over over the ball and then you, you know you've got to hit those shots but yeah it just didn't didn't work out for me for a lot of events but yeah, like I said, it was good to good to finish on a on a on the last tournament and have a good finish and, and secure my spot for next year or this coming I, season. I guess that the sort of the technical difference that you're talking about there, it's probably like one percent, right? Uh, 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 in terms of what's you know might not be clicking for those handful of miscuts. Because I, I I remember obviously I met you out at uh, the Blitz Golf event out here at the WA Golf Club, and you're on the the range with Lincoln Ty, and you were you were getting him to film you on the range i think you were just hitting some five irons and i thought you were hitting them beautifully mate just for for, for whatever the record shows yeah. but you were you were clearly trying to work on something like a, as a tournament was about to start like so i guess you know when things aren't clicking as well as you'd like them to you've you've got to find every opportunity to really try and turn it around yeah absolutely yeah um to be honest that was you, you only saw that with lincoln but at every tournament i was sort of doing that um which wasn't just the day before or that, you know, I was doing that and I've been doing that for week on week on week. And that's not generally how I, I grew up playing or I was always one to sort of just figure it out myself or can just sort of get through a tournament and then fix it pretty quick. But this certain move that I was just doing, you know, from the top of my swing, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And like I said, during tournaments it makes it a bit harder, but yeah, it's um, I tried the, you know, a few guys just saying, just, just, you know, let it go and just go play golf. And it's all well and good if you're, you know, not backed up in your, in your brain and you're sort of thinking a lot about your swing, but um, that didn't, didn't quite work out, but you know, it's getting there now. And, and that's, um, I can lead into the end of the year now with some, some good, hard, solid practice the next few months and, and start up again. I, I guess, does it, kind of compile in your head too because you know obviously as you mentioned a handful of missed cuts over here in Perth you know at the back end of the season you've got to play well to keep your card for next year and is it hard to not overthink at all when you're away from home obviously you got your mates on the tour and and whatever but like you're not with your coach you're not you know going through a really daily routine you're on the road like does it, is it hard to just not build up in your head and just get fuck like this is this is insane yeah, mate. Yeah, it is. It's very hard. Um, that's why you got to do your best to um, to not worry about it, or especially when you're not at the course. Um, like I said, I grew up just not even – I wasn't that guy that would, you know, think about it too much. Or once I've done on the golf course, I can sort of switch off and 
you know, go to the gym or just do anything else that would keep my mind off it. But just I found myself just the last six months particularly just thinking a lot more about it and, and probably just putting that added pressure on myself that I didn't need to do, um, which obviously in golf is, is not a good thing and you want to be as relaxed as possible, you know, after every shot and, and think about anything else rather than golf. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's, I feel like I'm on the back end of that now and I've, had, I've done some great work with um, Richard Woodhouse, my coach, um, especially in the last few weeks, I've been sending him some stuff, and and where I know I'm back on playing a few events, but you know it's good to shoot a few scores and, and see some progress. Speaking of Lincoln, I did mention to him that you were uh, you were jumping on tonight, and he just wanted. I said, "Have you got any you know stuff that might be worth getting stuck in a tim about?" And all he sent to me, and this is this is a quote: "Just keep mentioning that I that I'm longer than him, and he's now the second longest on tour to me." And he should be happy if he could get within 10 metres of... Within 10 metres. Is that what right. he said? He did. Oh, mate. I, th- I think everyone knows now he's at his heyday of being the long hitter. He's, uh, I can well, say, he's, yeah, he's kidding himself. What I would say is, I mean, it was a lot of talk for a bloke who I don't didn't actually see hit one shot over here in WA because I think he pulled out of the Blitz event with a wrist injury. And then I, I don't know if he played WA Open even he might have played played the first couple of rounds anyway so a lot of talk for a bloke who wasn't hitting many shots yeah yeah i actually stayed with him wa open week and yeah he hurt his hurt his finger or his wrist or something i mean you know it's us long hitters we shouldn't be complaining about anything but you know he's sort of <laughs> taken that road so uh you mentioned at the uh at the top there a nice way to finish the season uh which was the the t2 up at nt just behind um Austin well I mean you know a few shots he played quite nicely but four rounds in the 60s for yourself as well finishing alongside uh alongside Ben and it, and just ahead of Aaron Pike as well last year's winner so I guess it must give you a great deal of confidence moving forward into 22-23 to have a good result like that on tour and you know I'm sure it's frustrating that you weren't lifting the trophy but P2 is nothing to to laugh at yeah to be honest mate I didn't Again, it wasn't uh, a, a week where I felt at all in control of my swing. Um, I sort of just, I don't know what it was, but I its I just felt like something was sort of helping me get through that week and to give me that result to, to push forward from there. Um, I just, I think I wanted it that bad that it sort of, I just, I wouldn't take no for an answer on the course and, and I just kept pushing and pushing through. And yeah, it was nice to just be in that position again. I know I wasn't sort of contending for the, for the title with Austin just playing so well um, those last few rounds. And even I don't think my opponent made the cut by a shot and then had a good weekend to sort of sneak into that tied second. So, um, yeah, but it was it was a good, good way to just um, finish the season, as I said, and, and just, you know, go forward from there. I mean, we've been talking for about 15 minutes now and we normally start with the question, where did golf begin for you? So we may as well go back there 15 minutes later. Where did golf start for you, Tim? What was your, what's sort of your first recollections of the game? Uh, first recollection would be I, I lived at Tamworth, which is country New South Wales as a, as a young kid. And um, my older brother plays as well. Um, so I think I was about 12, 12 years old when I, he took me down the club one day and then just pretty much like everyone else, I feel just got hooked pretty pretty quickly. I played a few other sports, um, you know, soccer and cricket and basketball and all that, but golf took a front running pretty quickly within the first year. And yeah, I was sort of just from there, it was 
I was down there all the time. Sort of school, uh, the the high school was right next to the golf course, so I was there before before school, after school, whenever I could be. You know, probably during some classes as well. Shouldn't have been, but yeah. I mean, you're a big fella, right? Like, were you were you a big sort of like teenager as well? Because golf's not the most attractive game, right? Like, let's be honest. So you're playing playing football, I guess. Maybe some sort of central defender or something is where I'm picturing you lining up. Mate, I was the smallest bloke in in primary and high school. I was is that right? 50, fifty kilos, ringing wet. And I was, yeah, no, I had never seen a gym. Didn't know what one was. Um, I sort of just hit a growth spurt, I guess, in year twelve, I think. And then, yeah, I just sort of started putting the weight on early twenties and started, you know, going to the gym. To be honest, that was the big thing, and that's now become a lifestyle. Um, it's just something I have to do every day to, you know to feel good and um, yeah, just put the weight on that way. So golf was always the the front runner, I guess, for you to kind of make a career out of it. Did you, did you know, I guess, growing up in Tamworth that you could make money out of golf or were we sort of at that age just, Hey, this is something fun to do. Um, no, that was uh, I was sort of probably when I hit about 15, I, I started, I got to scratch pretty quickly. I'm not sure when, maybe when I was 15 and I was sort of winning a lot of stuff as a junior and, and yeah, I just felt like that's what I wanted to do, which was it's a good thing I feel to to know what you want to do that early in life, or to have that goal or you know something to look forward to. Like people still don't know what they want to do, you know, in their mid thirties. So it's good to to get that feel that early on in life and and go from there. So um, yeah, what's the uh, what's the golf like out in Tamworth? It's not too bad, actually. Is, they've got two courses out there. One's a yeah. Greg Norman design course. It's called the Long Yard. It's like oh. a Lynx-type course. It's actually a pretty good track. And, yeah, country, Tamworth in the middle of the city there. It's, it's a pretty good course too, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. There you go. I didn't. I did not expect Tamworth to have two courses, but uh, that's that's a nice little, nice surprise. So, what's your what's your sort of next step after there? I guess you know you said you get to scratch it about fifteen. You got a few other sports on the go. I guess you have to let them go by the wayside and, and focus on golf at some point. So what's sort of the next progression uh, in your life from there? So just, it would, I was just playing all the um, sort of state junior events. So the Jack Newton, Jack Newton junior golf events, um, played all those for a couple of years, managed to, to get in the state team, the junior state team with Lincoln, actually, that's probably where I met him when I was about 15. Um <laughs> And a few of the other boys. And yeah, from there, it was just state team stuff and a few Aussie teams. And um, I sort of just hung around Australia from there for, for three or four years, just playing all the events here, trying to, you know, learn the craft a bit better. And, and um, yeah, I think I turned pro at 22. So um, I didn't go to college or anything in America. That's probably, I don't live with regret, regrets, but that's probably one thing I, I think I probably would do looking back. Um, just to give yourself that um, backing and then probably a few more opportunities coming out of college rather than staying here in Australia. Were there offers on the table at all? Uh, I did have a few offers on the table when I was 18. Um, but I, I, to be honest, I didn't really look too much into it at the time. I was sort of focused just I, I probably I'm a bit introverted as well. So I was probably a bit, you know, going overseas at some, such a young age and just packing up your life and, and leaving wasn't really you know, something else to, you know, wanted to do, but um, anyway. And I guess if you're, 
if you're probably sneaking out of some classes to head over to the golf club, you probably don't want to add more school to the other end of your life anyway. <laughs> Correct. It wasn't really uh, something that I was too, you know, into maths was probably the only thing I was um, interested in. Everything else was nah, no, thanks. What was 15 year old Lincoln like? Cause he's hung a bit of shit on you at the start there. Maybe you can return serve. Uh, it was probably heavier back then, to be honest. <laughs> no, he was a, uh, he was a good, he was a good bloke. He's, um, he still is a good bloke. He's one of my best mates. Um, he was a very, very intimidating sort of junior, one of the bigger guys. And he was obviously the longest hitter back then as well. Um, so, but yeah, I've been good mates with him since a young, since I've been 15. Uh, it's, it's interesting you bring up length there. Is length something that you've always had in your game or did it kind of come after that growth spurt when you were? you know, year 12 and the gym. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's definitely come after the growth spurt as well. Um, yeah, as a, as a junior and an amateur, I, to be fair, I didn't hit it far at all. Um, so hit it a lot straighter back then. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a very good, uh, skill to have if you can, if you can sort of hit the long ball over and if you're in control at the time and you can sort of take on a lot of courses, um, which give you a lot more opportunities, obviously, if, you, if you're feeling good. Okay. What are the challenges, I guess, of country country growing up or growing up in the regions? I guess, you know, if you live in the city, there's obviously heaps of opportunity for you to get on the really prestigious tracks. You know, if you've got a bit of talent around you, I'm, I'm talking, but, you know, is there any, how much harder is it, I guess, coming from Tamworth or any of those regional areas to, I guess, maybe break into some of the state teams or, or have some of the opportunities that, the the city kids have you know pretty regularly yeah i mean i haven't really thought about that too much but just thinking back on it um it was probably a bit more difficult being a country country bloke um as just probably from the travel going to either you know sydney or brisbane were both six hours away to play events or you know wherever it would be um so that's probably only the biggest hurdle i think talent speaks for itself though if you you know if you're shooting good scores or, or whatever you'll you'll reap the rewards from that. So I don't see it was too much of a, you know, hurdle to get over. You were 22 when you turned pro, you said? I Something think like so, that. yeah. 22 or 23, yeah. So What's the what, what's kind of the decision-making process there? I mean, who did you consult? Who did you tap on the shoulder and say, hey, do you reckon I'm doing the right thing? Or was that, you know, you mentioned you're quite an introverted person. Is that something you sort of took on yourself or how did that decision come about? Yeah, it was more just on a whim, to be honest. I think I, <laughs> I, uh, I qualified for the New South Wales Open. That was my first event. It must have been 2012, I believe, um, and just pre-qualified as an amateur. And then I was like, oh, well, I might as well turn pro now. I've got Q school in a couple of weeks. Just thinking as a, you know, a decent amateur, you can just go and get your card and everything will be sweet, you know. It's just the way you sort of think growing up and, just wasn't the case so I, I think i turned pro and then made the cut and thought oh this is pretty easy and then actually had a bad week at q school and next thing i was i had nothing and i was just sort of in nowhere no man's land just pre-qualifying for every state open or, or what it was on the, that year and then um didn't have a good year at all obviously because you you know you're behind the eight ball before you even start and then um i actually did a year of a traineeship um, for one year and that was 2013 um, so I did one year of that but even six months into that it wasn't my sort of thing I, I don't know 
what that decision was. I think it was based probably off that one bad year of not playing well straight up and then sort of telling myself I might need a backup um, in case it doesn't work out. But, um, yeah, but, yeah, a few months in, I, I was sort of was not, not a big fan of sitting in the pro shop, um, not playing golf. So it was, uh, it was a one-year thing and then back out on, and then managed to get my tour card the next year and, and go from there. You had a really good season in 2016. I'm just looking back at your results here. I think you had maybe four or five top tens and, and a second, outright second place, I think, at the Queensland PGA. I mean, things starting to click in the right direction, I guess, after a, a few years of being a pro, maybe if you can recall 2016 for us. Yeah, 2016 was a good year. Um, I had a, you know, a couple of high finishes there and, and the Queensland PGA as well. Um, had a chance to win that one, but it didn't quite work out my way. Um, but the whole year was good. Um, it, it's the same thing. It just comes down to, I guess, I'll just put the time in. And, and for me, if I, uh, if I feel comfortable over the, over the ball, I know it's stupid as it sounds, but if I feel comfortable with a certain swing feel or a thought, then I, I believe I can shoot pretty much any number you know i can go really low and um sort of nothing sort of my, my no cloudiness in my thought process when i'm on course and that's obviously where everyone would like to be all the time it's not you know it's a very hard place to get to but if you if you are in that place and you've felt that um it's a good feeling and you obviously want more of that so that's why we keep going and um do do the work to try and get back there is there something when you say mid-round and, you know, things aren't clicking right? Is there Have you got something that you can kind of fall back on, whether it's a piece of advice that someone's given you or, you know, breathing technique or just anything like that that you can kind of fall back on at all? Yeah, mate. Th- these days it's, it's, it is a breathing technique for me. Um, back when I was a bit younger, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have been thinking about much at all. I would have just sort of been getting angry and, you know, just thinking, why did I do that or, or whatnot? But as you you know, grow up and, and just learn more about the game and mature and, you know, more about yourself as well. Um, yeah, I think the breathing the breathing technique that I, I do use um, on course, I do it pretty much every hole. Um, when I've got a spare moment or whatever, I'll, I'll be aware of my breath. Um, and that it does, it really does relax you if, you if you do it right and, you know, you just be conscious of it um, at certain times. And, and uh, yeah, it's helped me a lot, especially the last sort of couple of years yeah yeah well i was uh gonna gonna bring up 2018 i was reading a a great um a great piece uh that i think either you've shadow written for for tony webeck or he's kind of written written for you where you were talking about in 2018 obviously COVID, and and we'll get your thoughts on all of that as well but you're playing through some injuries which put a bit of pressure on you financially and mentally you said there was obviously sort of a bit of a build-up and you've been battling some mental health stuff and, you know, feel free to tell us as much or as little as you like, but maybe if you can just kind of give us an insight into into that as well. Yeah, so, um, yeah, 2018 was uh, a bit of a struggle for me. Um, so the first half of the year, I had um, done an injury in the gym, a pretty bad one, which, which put me out for a few months. And then I sort of got over that and then I, did another injury with just these this random injuries kept popping up. And I had three in a row, which kept me out for about six to eight months um, that no one could sort of, well, the third, third injury I had was an elbow thing. And I was, I was seeing all the, you know, the best doctors and, you know, everyone went to Melbourne and tried to, you know, see the best down there and no one could fix it. And 
So I'm just getting frustrated really. And now that I look back at uh, all of that then puts pressure on yourself without you even knowing about it. And um, it's sort of, I got to a point where I was, um, I was just in a bad way um, mentally, like really bad to the point where, um, yeah, bad thoughts were, were pop, popped up in my head and, and I knew I had to do do something about it. And, um, you know, anyone that's sort of dealt with mental health issues um, can resonate with that and how hard it is to get yourself out of a bad spot when, when you're in it. Um, so um, that year I sort of took a bit of time after what happened to me did. And, um, I, I mean, it's not something that goes away. I'm still dealing with it now. It's been... Mm. Four, four years now from pretty much the day um and it's it's to be honest mate it's my it's my first job now golf's my second job that's the number one priority of my life is to to look after myself and and make sure i'm you know at peace or, or happy or when i wake up I, I do the things i need to do for be it meditation or um a lot of yeah breath work um go to the gym every day just things that keep your mind healthy because um i've just especially since that sort of stuff happened to me i've just i've realized that to be honest nothing nothing to me matters anymore other than that that's as long as i'm happy and um i feel good in myself i just i've realized that nothing sort of external is going to fill that i, I can find that within myself and and i've managed to do that and i, I can um, just to be honest, I'm very proud of myself just for, you know, getting out of that and um, just keeping it at bay. Absolutely, mate. And that's, you know, that's really well said as well and and such an important message as well. And and I think, you know, like golf can be, you know, golf can be the best and worst thing for, for your mental health sometimes as well, right? Like even I know at that time you obviously weren't being able to get out and play, but, you know, for a lot of people who listen to this show, they, they, you know, if they are struggling, they do, they do hop out on the golf course. And sometimes it's the best thing in the world because you go out and you, you hit it really nicely, but then other times you play like shit and, and it can kind of beat you up a little bit more. But, you know, I think if particularly for us amateurs, right. Playing off 20, if you go out and you just hit the ball around with your mates and have a beer, I don't, I don't think there's anything better than that. And yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm, sure, I'm sure even for yourself, just getting out with your mates and playing every now and then is, is really good for you. Of course, mate. Yeah. It's, there's nothing better for you if you're, you know, don't, to be honest, if you don't do it for a job and if you don't put that added pressure on yourself, um, yeah, golf's a, a great place, a great place to be out there on the course. So, um, but just going back to what I said before, even if anyone is listening and they are going through anything, I know um, I'm more than happy to have a chat about at anything. Um, I don't know who would reach out, but if anyone ever did want to reach out and have a chat or, and even if it's not to me, just in general, if you, if you feel like you can't talk to anyone, let me tell you, there's someone that will always listen to you, even if it's a, someone, you, you know, even if you ring someone and bring one of the, um, you know, the lifeline or whatever it is, someone will listen to you and there's plenty of help out there. Um, you just got to, um, you know, realise that it's, it's okay to, to talk about it. Absolutely. We'll, we might put uh, some numbers in the show notes of this, this episode as well. And, um, you know, people can reach out to you on, on the gram as well, which we'll, we'll give a bit of a shout out to. Um, COVID mate let's let's talk about the the fun thing that was was COVID uh obviously I think in that same article I've lost it lost it now but 
you were telling a story about on the airport in the airport. I think you might've been traveling with Chris Wood at the time. And I, I don't know, maybe you, if you know the story that I'm talking about, you can kind of recall it a little bit, if that might've been the start of COVID. Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, I'm not sure about the story. I think we were in uh, Canberra at the time. We were just yep. playing some pro-ams. Okay. And yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what was said in the article, but I, the only thing I would remember from that was just getting to the airport and it was it was like we're in, you know, a ghost town in, in China or something. There was just yes, literally no one it. in yeah, the yep. airport. Yep, that's and it. It was just... It was that was when obviously things started up in April or March of 2020, and um, yeah, we managed to get home. I don't know how many people on our flight, probably seven or eight people. I feel was we we're on the flight to get home, and we were just sort of it was an eerie feeling. And then to get home and and, and everything obviously kick off after that. Um, yeah, it was, it was very weird. <laughs> you obviously coupling the two stories together about what you've, you've just told us sort of about your, your mental health and the challenges of, of injury to add COVID into that mix as well is obviously not a great recipe at all. Right. Like you've got, essentially you've got your, your opportunity to earn income taken away from you. Like how do you process that in, in the moment? Cause realistically it was a pretty kind of overnight decision that, that everything kind of went away. I remember you know, from a very selfish perspective, me and Kieran were sitting here going like, what the fuck are we going to do for, for a podcast now? We've got nothing to talk about. And we're kind of like, we're okay. Like we'll find some shit to talk about. We always do. But like, and then we started reaching out to, to you know, players and everyone was kind of like, we're, we've got no idea what's going on. Like, can you, can you maybe contextualize that sort of time for us and, and give us an overview of how it all went down? Yeah, it was, um, like I said, it was just a, a weird time and, you know, when when it all started kicking off, it um, I, I was always one to not sort of worry about um, external stuff happening. But then it got to a point where I was like, oh, hang on, this is going to affect, you know, my job and what I'm going to do. So overnight, like you said, it, it made you think differently. You're like, hang on, this could just stop your work for the next 6, 12, however many months. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I did a few other things and, you know, just did what I could for a couple of weeks, and um, lucky, lucky, like like I said, lucky enough in Queensland, they sort of, still sort of had some events that we could go and play, which was good. Um, so, I think it sort of, for me personally, it, it sort of just put pressure on, um, probably relationships more than anything, um, at the time, and um, I was always, yeah, I'm just one to. You know, I'll if there's a tournament on somewhere, I'll go play it because I like sort of being on the road and and um, playing golf. So yeah, it was, we we're lucky enough to still sort of have some tour up here in Queensland. I know it wasn't the same down in uh, Victoria or you know any other state in in Australia, but it wasn't sort of as bad for us, which was which was nice. And then by the end of 2020, they they still had a couple of events here and there, and then we just went from there. No, uh, I, I guess no opportunity or chance to get on the tools or do anything like that. I mean, we, I remember having Aaron Aaron Wilkin on, I think, and he was telling me how he, he went and was building window frames or something. You weren't weren't getting on the tools bricklaying or anything like that, were you, mate? Mate, I was bricklaying for about two weeks. Really? Was, I was uh, just saying that tongue in cheek. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I did a bit of bricklaying. I didn't actually put the bricks in, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's not 
not my gig, mate, to be honest. Um, not good for your back, mate. You need your no, back. No, it was, just wasn't good. I, I, and I injured myself. Um, actually, that's where one of the injuries came from. Sorry. Right. Um, so I was, I was just picking up the, I don't know what they are, all the bricks with the, the things you pick them up with. And, um, you know, yanked it up and I actually did a nerve in my left forearm and I was out for 12 weeks. Just completely just, yeah, carked it. My, uh, my forearm just gave way and then, I was like, well, that's just, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is to <laughs> not even bother. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit, it was just, it was a difficult sort of few months where everything sort of hit at once and I had a few things going on personally. And, but, uh, mate, to be honest, I'm just thankful now that that's all happened the way it did and I've grown from it and I've learned from it. And, yeah, I'm in a much, uh, much happier place now. It seemed, it seemed as though, um, you know, from the very small snapshot that I saw of it over here in WA, it seems as though the the tour and everyone that's on the tour at the moment seems like they're pretty good mates in general. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you've got your differences with other people, but it seemed like everyone got on really well. I'm just wondering what that first event back post sort of COVID lull of 18 months where everyone came back, I guess it probably would have been the Aussie PGA really. Was it kind of, was it almost a bit of like a reunion with everyone coming back together, getting the band back together? Oh, mate, not really. Um, not really, because I, like I said, I played, I still played pretty much every event I could in between, even if it was a pro-am here or there, um, all around, you know, any state I could get to. So you, you sort of still see a lot of the same blokes um, at these events. And yeah, a lot of my good mates are golfers as well. So, you know, if, if you're not playing golf with them at tours or on, at tournaments, you're um, like, I've got a few mates back on the Goldie and Brizzy and that that you hang out with. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was like a reunion, so yeah. to speak, more so just, yeah, it was, uh, it's just good to see tournament golf back and, and big events. Yeah. And good to, good to have big crowds back as well. I mean, Kieran was over there for a few days at the Aussie PGA and he said it was, was fantastic to, to see crowds back. And I guess, you know, such an important part of it as well. It needs to be supported by the, you know, the punters to get out there and, and get behind you guys as well. So that's also nice to see. What's what's the home track at the moment? Well, I mean, when you're at home, when you've got five minutes at home, mate, because you seem to be kind of gallivanting around everywhere as well up in Queensland. What's the, the home track? Mate, I'm not a member anywhere. Um, I haven't been for probably about five years, to be honest. Um, my last membership was at Royal Pines when I lived down the Goldie. Okay. Um, but since I've been back in Brisbane, I, I do predominantly I practice out at Golf Central, the driving range out near the airport. Um, and yeah, to, mate, to be honest, when I'm home, I don't really try and play too much golf. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm one for the beach. I love just going to the beach and, you know, just chilling out and not, not worrying about it, to be honest. Um, so I'll, I'll do a bit of practice out at Brookwater here and there because I sort of, I live about 15 minutes from Brookwater. Um, but yeah, mate, when I'm at home, I, uh, I try and do a lot of other things rather than play too much golf. I managed, uh, I spent some time over in Queensland for work a couple of years ago, 2020 actually, and, um, got to play Royal Pines and Brookwater and both courses beat the living shit out of me. <laughs> Very difficult course, particularly Brookwater. If you miss the fairway there, you basically, you, you cooked, you've lost cool. all. I think Marshy played a, a uh charity event out there and i think he lost nine balls or something so which is one yeah, of the wow. holes so it's pretty 
pretty impressive. Yeah, that can happen. It's uh, <laughs> it's a difficult call, so Brookie, if you're not if you don't know where your ball's going. Absolutely, even Royal Pines. To be honest, you know, it's it's cool to think you know that that's that's where one of our biggest tournaments was played. While I was there, that's kind of all I was thinking about. But yep. yeah, it beat, beat me up. There's a lot yeah. of water there, and if you've got a nasty slice like myself. <laughs> a lot of water on the right-hand side. The right side, yeah. <laughs> <seems> <laughs> <to> notice. <laughs> What's uh, you mentioned there? You love the beach. What uh, a question we do love asking everyone. What what does Tim Hart do away from golf? Um, that would yeah, mate. To be honest, it's a beach, the beach, or um, just hanging out with the boys. To be honest, to be honest, <laughs> that's that's literally what I do. I um, I just love. I just love all my mates and just love just hanging out and just being in a good headspace. And I, th- I feel like just going to the beach or, or just doing something that, or, or the gym or it's just something that's really good for my, for my, you know, mental state. It just, it makes me feel just really good. So, you know, I go to the beach, I, I throw, I like throwing darts. That's like a hobby of mine. I'll, I'll stand there for hours and throw darts and that's pretty fun. Um, yeah, other than that, not too much to be fair. Darts is a great hobby. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It's uh, I love playing, but very, very bad at it. Yeah, it's uh, it's good fun. I got a good, good setup and good dartboard setup, and it's uh, yeah, it's just a, again just another thing to get your mind off everything and just you know try and throw a few one eighties. Now our primary source of research is instagram i don't know if anyone's ever told you this before before you jumped on here no, so we, we like we like to scroll right back to the very first instagram <laughs> post that you put up um <laughs> a looks nothing like you back in 2012 um out of eagle um race course there so i don't know if, if the horses are a if the Jeez. horses are an interest or if that's just kind of a a 2012 uh phase that you were going through <laughs> an opportunity to drink some beers and and maybe have a bet on the horses. Yeah, mate. I, I, I try and remember the photo. I, I don't quite recall it. It might be. A, <laughs> Were you uh, wearing just, red sunglasses? Red sunnies. Red yeah. sunnies. Yeah, I do know. What a horrible pick. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> actually, actually, just scrap the first sort of six years that I've put stuff up because it's a disgrace, to be honest. Uh, there's some good ones in here as well, <laughs> featuring. Uh, Featuring I'm, one, Mr. Dimmy Papadatos as well, who often go. often comes up in quite a few nightclub photos. Not just across you your, go. not just across <laughs> your feed, but across everyone else as well. So yeah. he, um, once we did that activity with him, he he swiftly went and deleted his very first post, which um, did he? Was okay. quite an embarrassing one. So it was him in, I think, in a pair of speedos holding a a big bottle of Belvedere vodka, and he told the story. Uh, I was there. Yeah, 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 I was there. I watched him win that competition. Yeah, it was, and, uh, it was and did he very... did he come back for the? He was meant to come back for the final or something. I'm trying to recall. He, he won that heat, and then he meant to come back for the final or something. I don't know how it all went down, but it was very funny at the time when he told it. Yeah, mate, I, I don't quite recall either. I don't think he did come back for the final, <laughs> but uh, mate, that night was yeah, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> so was that photo. I think I wish I had a screenshot of it before it before yeah. it went, but that's. Uh, gone into oblivion um we shall let you go mate and and uh get to bed out in, in country queensland congratulations again on the win uh over the weekend very very good timing having you on we wish you the very best uh for what's ahead in in 22 23 as well and, and hopefully look forward to seeing you over here in perth from a personal perspective and, and everything for your golf as well mate so thanks for jumping on having a chat to us no worries mate you're a legend cheers mate <laughs>